and welcome to the Misfit Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your co-host, Taylor Reeves, alongside my other co-host, Jacob Dupree. And this is episode 41, hashtag 115 for the OGs out there. Jacob, how are you doing this lovely Monday evening? I'm distracting a golden rat with his pig right now. So if you hear this sound, it's either me or him. But I'm okay with life. It's happening. That's, that's about the extent. And it was a decent weekend of football with some shockers. I see you're wearing a painfully colored shirt right now it looks awfully crimson no so, it's I, i'm still repping and uh sorry for your loss no i'm not yeah i mean this look here's the thing this this year has been bizarre overall uh f- football included and uh yeah this weekend you know i would be usually very excited for an ou texas game very optimistic i i still am to an extent and i probably will as i get closer but right now i'm not really feeling it i told a coworker, you gotta remember i work in texas a lot of ut a lot of aggies and both love giving me crap you know it is surrounded and vice versa of course uh you know good good um you know banter and i told him i was like look if UT does not beat OU this week by 35 points. You should feel ashamed, um, especially if our quarterback is not playing. You mean General uh, Booty? No, he's playing, but he just is probably going to be General Booty against Texas. Look, if if General Booty throws four TDs, I'm getting me a General Booty jersey because yeah, you, you got to get the big tricorn hats or that yeah. has all like the tassels and stuff on it. So you can just have a general with a picture of a butt on it. General Booty. Yeah. Booty for the dub. That would be the best. I would just love booty. So many Go deep. A lot of people would. Don't <laughs> ever say that again. Never again. My God. Anyways, um, but yeah, this is the first weekend uh that OU and Texas have not been ranked. One of them haven't been ranked since 1998. Jacob, do you want to take a gander? Um, I'm pretty sure we were. Maybe just out of diapers. Yeah, I was five. Diapers. I, I was five yeah, I was when two. that happened. We were five. It, it's okay. But yeah, it, we're living in bizarre land. Kansas and TCU is the biggest game of the of the uh, the week, as it should be. Uh, Kansas is five and zero, oh, along with TCU. Hats off to TCU. I have a couple of number nineteen TCU Kansas. Not basketball yeah, rankings. Football. Love it. Are you? Yeah. You sure this isn't basketball rankings? Nope. <laughs> It's so weird. Um, but, you know, I I would have, uh, you know, taken my shellackings like a man. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. Uh, thanks to uh, a, an unnamed satellite resource. <laughs> Dish. Yeah, there it is. Look, here's the thing. Um, overall, I have been uh, a happy subscriber uh, for the most part over the years. But here's the thing. Uh, it seems like every couple of years with some station, they seem to just get into the thick of it. And I, I texted you this. And the only reason I knew this is because you had sent me a screenshot going, hey, are we going to be able to watch sports today? And um, it's basically two senior citizens, you know, arguing over uh, pennies on the dollar at the garage sale. I mean, seriously, you have two multi billion dollar corporations between dish network and uh disney and yeah i went blacked out all weekend which was awful weren't able to watch any of the games the only games i was able to watch was on cbs or fox and uh, this just proves another greater point it's kind of the same conversations we've had in the off season about direct tv and their nfl sunday ticket package 
we need to move to a platform where we can just buy it. Like, I don't understand if someone is willing to pay an absorbent amount of money for home games. Like that's the same, the dish is the same reason that we don't have uh, the local regional sports. Like the reason I can't watch the stars or the Mavericks or the Rangers is because they had a falling out with Bally sports and Bally was like, Hey, we need to go cable and all this other stuff and go into AT&T universe. I get the whole capitalism story of it all, but here's the thing. (laughs) We need to be able to just buy our own package. And I think we're moving in that direction with Apple and Amazon being like, we have a trillion dollars. Everyone else is kind of shush. We're going to, you know, they're able to offer just an absorbent amount of money. And, and here's the thing. Here's the other thing. You know, Disney has to protect their assets also. They just gave a billion dollar package to the big 10. No, Fox gave a billion dollar package to the big 10. So you, that you can't even imagine what the ACC and the SEC are going to ask for when they come up for contract and re- renegotiations. Now with the new teams that they have, uh, OU and Texas being involved in there and the bios that they have with the Big Twelve, so they got to be able to keep their customers happy, and so it caused an issue. But it the the main story of it is, is I, I didn't get to watch college football, and it really hacked me off. And <laughs> it's happened before, and I hate it when it happens. It's it's like having a toothache. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it just ruins everything. To quote our good friend Conrad Judd, um, <clears throat> streameast.io. You can watch everything. Don't know if it's kosher or not, but I don't care. I watch whatever I want to watch. And also to loosely quote uh, Adam Sandler from a short, or not like very well-known movie, it's it but is yeah, free. It was it, it made me upset that my mother-in-law's dish ESPN login was no longer working on my TV. I ain't going front. I, I I do that. I'm that guy. No shame with it. But yeah, when it happened, I was like, oh, that sucks. I personally was just thankful I got the chance to watch the OSU game uh, on Fox Sports. But yeah, and that's that's another thing. We'll go on that tangent real quick. Family packages, like what what happened to that? You know, like that. You that's how money we kind of it's like hey. It, it, I mean, I thought that's the reason you have kids, right? Each kid kind of pays for a different streaming service and we kind of like switch <laughs> things up. Like it, it's like an, an Italian dinner. Like we each bring a, a different dish to the table, hmm, pun intended, you know, be able to have a great meal. And in this case, having a great sports meal. Yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's weird. And the NFL has been weird this year, like the games. And, and, and I had a week like you did last week. It just seems like the team did not do well. I, uh, I oh, went mean, my office. team that after I traded DJ Moore and Cam Akers and scored 140 something points. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, it flip flopped, but I, I, I went into work and the, the, one of my coworkers was just giggling. Um, I was like, why are you giggling? He's like, mm-hmm. I had TJ Hawkinson. And I was like, what? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, for a second, you know, it's 630 in the morning. I'm not thinking fantasy football right at that moment as you I'm fool. walking into the door drinking my, I'm, I'm focused on coffee. Okay. It was for a split second. Leave me alone. Uh, and then I forgot TJ Hawkinson had a heck of a ball game. That's I mean, man. most, he really did. I most mean, receiving he, yards he, for he a tight end yeah. Uh, yeah. in Lions history and, I heard a quote, I think it was from the fantasy footballers today, saying that it was the seventh highest fantasy tight end performance ever. So, I mean, to say it's a good week is a underselling a little bit. Now, just, just because I'm being selfish and gloating in a roster that I fully expected to start sucking, 
Imagine a lineup that had not only TJ Hawkinson, but also Miles Sanders. Oh, geez. Yeah, boy. And then also imagine they had the Philadelphia defense. Who was that guy? Me on accident. Don't ask me how it happened. It just did. But hey, Jance, Miles Sanders, number nine running back right now. So I I have a question for you. Yo. Um, because in one of my leagues, I do have Miles Sanders. There was uh-huh. one of the leagues that I for for giggles, I decided to draft it like you, and it's actually working. You're welcome. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking about starting Miles Sanders over Najee Harris. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that's blasphemy, see Bruce, but with the, the Kenny Pickett power uh, picket line going on back, I don't know, oh, what, whatever. We'll workshop it. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. Anyways, uh, see Bruce, you know, send in your uh, you know nickname for Kenny Pickett. Um, Oakley's not happy. Oakley's not happy about that, that nickname. It's not a good nickname. No, he's, he's, he's just beside, lines beside the fact. I mean, I'm getting to that point. I mean, the Eagles are playing great. Um, Jalen Hurts looks like a completely different quarterback. And I think one of the reasons is because of the ability of my Miles Sanders. And then of course, AJ Brown. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I would look at, so like, if you just want to strictly look at those two players, even right now, and I'll even go from like a dynasty standpoint, obviously Najee will have a higher value in a dynasty standpoint. Um, so Miles Sanders next three weeks is Arizona, which is a great matchup. Dallas, I don't know. This Philadelphia offense is just good enough that he's for me. I'm just going to start him every week until whatever happens because he's been averaging, like, you know, before this 27 touch explosion, he's been, been averaging somewhere between 13 and 17 touches, which honestly, I'm happy with every week. So that his next three is Arizona, Dallas, and then a bye week. NVD, um, let me try to pull up Najee's because. I can't find him on the week's top scores for running backs. Stop doesn't, it. Doesn't Stop look like it. a top 30 finisher. Let me see here. Nope. The only Harris that pulls up is Damian Harris. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just being that person right now. Cause it's kind of fun. Najee's next three. You ready for this? Tell yeah. me if you like these, these matchups at all at Buffalo Ooh. at home against Tampa Bay at Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, maybe Tampa, <laughs> since they just gave up 41 against Kansas City. Like, but that's how much the only of that one I feel on the ground. Bad. Like, June, like most of CEH's yardage was in garbaggio time, which I'm fine with, but I don't see Pittsburgh being in garbage time against that defensive front with their offensive line. Um, so, in a redraft, I don't think you do one for one. I think you have to do like nausea or like, you know, be. So, you're trading away Miles Sanders or you're saying you're starting him. No, that's right. You I'm saying I, I'm looking at starting Miles Center. He's been on my bench because my three running or my two top running backs is Najee and Joe Mixon. I 100% would start him over Najee Harris next week. I know the touches are there for Najee, but the offense is not. And right now, which team? Which team has a better offense? That's a good point. Like if you want to ask, good point. for me, no offense to you, see Bruce. It's no, just I the think truth. even it's he would admit that, like, yeah. right now, that Philadelphia is a better offense. Like, because for me, when I ask the question of which running back would I rather have on my roster, and this also goes for dynasty if I'm competing, um, because that's whenever I acquired Miles, I still thought I might be have a shot at competing. But anyways, it's who's the quarterback? Who's the what's the offensive line look like? What's the mm-hmm. defense look like? So the quarterback, 100% Philadelphia's favorite, Jalen Hurts, is a better quarterback than whatever Pittsburgh can throw out there. The offensive line, 100% Philadelphia's in the lead, even with potentially losing one of their tackles for a little bit. 
Defense, 100%. Philadelphia's defense is currently the best unit in the NFL just with how they've been playing. Um, so I would definitely start Miles over Najee this upcoming week. And even from a dynasty standpoint, Najee Harris is a guy that like I've been preaching this since the offseason. I was concerned with the value that he has because those 75 or 85 targets or whatever wouldn't be there from Big Ben. Um, the offensive line won't be able to get a push because they did nothing to address it. And so that's why I've consistently had Najee still as a top 10 dynasty running back. But in redraft, I had him outside of my top 12 just because of these apprehensions and these fears. It's not that he's necessarily a bad player, but I think if you look at even the advanced stats, which I'll try to pull up, um, even his yards after contact and like um, that's gone down since last year. I'm going to pro football reference real quick. Do, do, do. But it's just kind of one of those things of I, I just have those kind of inklings and those concerns with him at this current moment. Not that once again, he is bad. It's just, I have, because he's averaging more yards yeah. before contact. He's averaging in comparison to last year when he had a decent year, last right. year he had 1.7 yards per carry or yards before contact per attempt, which is bad. Um, this year it's 2.7, but then you go over to, Oh, where to go. Oh, his yards after contact last year was 2.2. This year is 0.8. So that means he might be getting further down the field before he makes contact. The second some one guy gets a hand on him, he's down. And I think that has to go back to his foot injury that still isn't completely healed. I don't care what he or the team doctor says. He's playing kind of scared on it because you can watch him run. He's not as aggressive. He's not as sharp in his cuts. And I genuinely feel like it's just because that foot's not letting him do what he wants to do. Okay. Well, thank you for your advice there. I appreciate that. It's not like we're on a podcast or anything talking about this. So Eh, I'll uh, I'll, I'll keep that between you and I. (laughs) Um, Two other players I kind of wanted to talk about that had terrific weekends is Geno Smith and Jared Goff. Um, Have they moved up anywhere or do you think this is just kind of the opponents that they've been playing as of late? I've, I've seen, in my opinion, improvements in Jared Goff. And I think that's because his surrounding um, support characters have definitely improved and flourished, such as a DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson having a resurgence. And then, of course, Amon Ross St. Brown, who was out this weekend. But as we talked about earlier, TJ Hawkinson had a terrific game, nine catches, 179 yards, and a couple of TDs. With Jamison Williams potentially coming into it as an X factor in November, I mean, where, how far can this go with Jared Goff? I'm going to speak very trepidatiously because I want to trade him from you in Empire. Respond to my texts, man. Come on. I want him on my team. But I, I have two things that are interesting because he's fifth right now in, in the Empire <laughs> League. And then Gino is ninth. I am holding just basically bait for these sharks. Hey, I will wait for two weeks until you have to start Ryan Tannehill because. It, you have like two two people on week six by, but anyways, neither here, here nor there. It's okay. That's the reason I have Geno Smith. That's the reason I have four quarterbacks right now. Oh, stop. <laughs> we'll get into this. I think Jared Goff has a chance to not necessarily be the quarterback five, but to hit right at about 20 fantasy points a game uh, by the year's end, because I feel like with the supporting cast of TJ Hawkinson and whenever it's healthy, it's Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark, and whenever Jameson Williams comes back, just those those four receiving options, you would 
probably have to put in like a top 12 of the NFL. That might be a stretch, but they're in that conversation. Right. Um, and they have a great offensive line. They have a running back in the backfield who's kind of very um, Jamal Charles-esque in the fact that in every touch could go the distance in DeAndre Swift. And Jamal Williams is basically, in, you know, Priest Holmes Jr. whenever those two are in the backfield at the same time. That's right. I'm pulling the mid-2000s references out. I mean, could you imagine him being on his own home team? I mean, him or A.J. Dillon, like, being the sole bell cow. <laughs> I think that that is like a fantasy football dream right there. It would be a very intriguing thing to behold. That's for sure. But I think Jared Goff has sustainability just because I think this offense has found a rhythm and they found a groove with what they do because uh, don't like hear me out on this. I'm trying to quickly pull up the Detroit Lions schedule just to see how many points they've scored. So they might be one in three, but they have scored 23, 26, nine points against Pittsburgh. And then they've scored – oh, wait, no, that's preseason. Rip to me. <laughs> scored even no, – We'll even cut better. that in post. We'll cut that in post. It's even better. They scored 35 points against Philadelphia, who we would agree is one of the best teams in the NFL from front to back right now. They've yeah. put up 36 points against Washington. They scored 24 against Minnesota, and they put up 45 against Seattle. This team is humming offensively. And they're, I don't think they're going to adjust what they're doing because it's working. The only thing that's not working is their defense because they need to show up once in a lifetime because this team, once again, all their losses have been one-score losses. Three points to Philly, four points to Minnesota, three points to Seattle. This team could be 4-0 if the ball bounces differently just one time. Yeah. Or if the defense stands up just one time. But anyways, I think that this team has found a stride with what they're doing, and so – as the season's gone on, I think I would continue to kind of not necessarily fully tear jump all of their players, but I think that you there should be a level of trust with Detroit Lion of offensive players right now. And it feels weird coming out of my mouth because I haven't said that since Matthew Stafford and Megatron. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's it's not going to be a consistent, you know, like 30 points. But if this if you told me this team averages 24 points for the rest of the year, sign me up. Uh, and but, then on the other hand, you have mm-hmm. Geno Smith, who's having the best year of his career thus far. And that's what I was he, he's completed. A, oh, okay. No, you can go he's, ahead. Com, he's completed 102 passes out of 132. He's thrown for just over a thousand yards. He has six t- touchdowns to two interceptions. Uh, and he's ninth right now in PPR along in standard leagues. His play has just been incredible. It's been extremely steady, Eddie. Uh, but, you know, that's what the Seahawks are asking him to do, and he is delivering. Hey, he, um, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I jumped it on. You keep going. I'm just excited because I like this conversation. No, no, it is exciting um, because, you know, you, you'll remember he got a lot of hype coming out of West Virginia, and then he was upset about being drafted in the second round. That was back when they uh, did the second round on the second day. So he had to come back. He thought he was going to be a first-round draft pick. Don't they still do then the second round to, on the second day? They do, but back in the day, it was the first or the third round. It was on the first day. Are you sure about that? Mm-hmm. Back in the day. It's it's a long story. Anyways, Regardless on, of, the, of the point of he thought he was going to be a first-round draft pick, he had to he had to be he had to come back for the second day as a second-round draft pick. He thought he was going to go in the first because he was there in the green room and he was really upset about it. I think he went 37th. Anyways, 
so, you know, his career was really rocky with the Jets. Remember, he got in a fight and he like broke his jaw or mm-hmm. something crazy. And then he just went into the abysmal as a backup quarterback and he's been backing up Russell Wilson. Then this past year, he came in for that five game stint at a couple of good games. You're like, hmm, is this a fluke or is this the system? And then we watched that first game against Denver. And we're like, okay, there may be, there may be something here. We'll keep an eye on it. And then this past weekend, it completely exploded. I mean, he had, he was 23 of 30, 322 touchdowns. He had seven carries for 49 yards in the touchdown. I mean, he's being extremely efficient and helping his team win ball games, but also at the same time, he's putting up points in fantasy, which is, you know, that, that's a double win right there, in my opinion. So something that I, I was looking for, and I found it on, once again, Pro Football Reference. Love this website. And it's the best. I remembered I heard a stat I, on one <laughs> of the podcasts I listened to. I don't remember which one because I listened to too many of them. But currently, Geno Smith is third in the NFL with passer rating, just behind Tua, Pat Mahomes, and just ahead of Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, and Jared Goff, for instance. I'll just throw his name in there, too. When it comes to passing yardage per game, I know it's kind of skewed a little bit because he's had two big, two big bammers and then one kind of, you know, couple me, but passing yards per game, he, sorry, wrong stat. He's not on that one. My bad. But yards per pass attempt. And this basically is just a stat that's trying to show like how aggressive they are throwing the ball downfield. Geno Smith is tied for fourth with just under eight yards per pass attempt. So that means he's attacking the ball downfield. Um, and so it's just kind of one of those things of, but when I look at the overall structure of this team, I feel like that he does have a cliff that is on the way. I'm not going to oh, yeah. sit here and say it's, you know, anything insane because he plays New Orleans next week, whatever that I'm not scared of that defense anymore. Then he plays Arizona, the chargers who are banged up the giants then Arizona again, then Tampa in week 10. I just feel like with the, with the team that the Seahawks are today, that, their offensive line is soft enough from what we've currently seen. I'm not saying they're bad because I think we have to adjust our thoughts a little bit. Right. But I feel like it's just one of those things of the probability. And for me, and in my mind says that, yes, he has DK Metcalf. Yes. He has Tyler Lockett, but that's it with Jared Goff. I've listed off four guys that I feel confident with that could be go off for any given week and have a great game. So currently, I, I get. I have a little bit more respect for Noah Fant. I'm Why? a little more. What has he done? Uh, he he's come up no. crucial with a couple of catches here and there. Okay, a couple catches. Yes, he has one, five, seven, ten catches in four games. Last game he had one reception when Gino went off for 350 yards. Okay, point valid point. I was <laughs> trying to make a counterpoint, but I, I just got burned. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> get scared but that's my bad that's no no shame with that no i mean it's just so i look at those two things and i feel like if i had to pick a guy to continue like if it's a trending or ending jared goff will continue to trend will it be a top five guy by year in probably not but he's showing us that it's within his realm of real like realistic probabilities geno smith i feel like there is more of a punch coming for him with just future games that he plays Especially because he plays yeah, outdoors I'm, and Jared Goff is indoors. 
Yeah, that that's another big thing between the indoors and the outdoors. But one of the crucial things I'm going to be watching for Geno Smith, and this is something that we've talked about, and I think it doesn't really change regardless of the quarterback, is October and Seattle Seahawks wide receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. With October coming around the corner, defense is having more film on Geno. I agree. We need to continue to watch this closely because – like you said, either it's a cliff, let's let's hoping it's kind of just a nice, easy, decreased descent um, and that he's not Icarus in that the uh, the glue begins to melt. Good reference. Um, but like I, if, like if you. I'm you in Empire, I try to trade Gino almost for whatever you could get. I'm not saying that because like I don't want Gino. I want Jared Goff. <laughs> but for instance, like there are teams out there that I know. I trading him in August and you said no bueno. Gino? No, Jared. Yeah, who'd you tra- who'd you offer straight up for him? Go ahead and say that out loud. I don't remember. Yeah, go look at it, and I'll talk for a second. Let me let me look this up. Just because, <laughs> so there are teams out there that I know that are hurting. For oh, just Justin Fields and Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah, I highly regret that. I wish I would have done that. Uh, August twenty second. In my defense, nine twenty six p.m. Right after the draft, fully expecting <laughs> Justin Fields to throw more than you know twenty passes in two weeks. I have regrets. Anyways, I I, I don't regret that. I'm really glad you rejected it. So thank you. You're welcome, jerk. <laughs> I have Jamar Chase in three leagues, but but there's quarterback needy Stop teams it. out there. Nope. <laughs> Who could probably use that guy as a quarterback? But anyways, get rid of that crutch. I'm just no, never. I'm just. Talking Jared Goff's price up, but I'm fine with that. I, I do want him on my team. But <clears throat> anyways. Price gouging on your own podcast. I, I respect know. it. Price gouging myself. Um, I mean, you kind of are. I mean, I feel like I need to put this bit out and see what people think about it. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Um, um, and it's we've gone 30 minutes without you having a little bit of Lamar haterade. So talk about it. I mean, it, it was a rainy, it was a messy game, so I, I will kind of get spot in that, but I will also say this is what happens when he doesn't score a rushing touchdown um, and when he doesn't get those just, like, long passing yards because, you know, he completed more passes this week, but... Good, good. Significantly less yardage. Ooh. And he Wait. threw for two more picks. And so Perfect. it's just something that, like, in the previous weeks, he had 107 and 119 yards rushing. So that's 11.9 and 10.7 fantasy points just gone in the blink of an eye. And so for me, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, this is what I always say with quarterbacks who are mostly running quarterbacks who occasionally throw like him is the instance where that disappears, you're left with a mediocre quarterback. And I'll stand by that. Like, yeah, he had a great past two weeks, but anytime that the rushing does not pan out, his passing typically does not pan, which is why I still feel like he has a lot of work to go with the passer. But that's just I mean, I, mean, still... I don't yeah, I don't disagree with that. He he definitely has a little ways to go. You know what I'm uh, like I'll still spot him that it was raining. And but I also we talked about this whenever they traded Marquise Brown. It's like who's there? Rashad Bateman's been in and out of the lineup. Devin Duvernay's been his top target. I mean, this is what happens when a team takes away Mark Andrews. It's just Lamar trying to play hero ball with players who can't be his, you know, Robin to his Batman. Yeah, it's, it's rough, but um, 
like we said, it's October and this is when defenses start to get game film. And this is where the offensive minds and the money that you put into them really start to take shape in the sense of you're really able to separate the pretenders from the contenders, not only from the fantasy football league, but also in the real NFL. Okay, uh, another fun group to talk about is Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush has had um, a great couple of games here, and it's kind of turned into a Greek tragedy or a Greek drama. It feels like every day on you know, the different sports stations talking about there's a quarterback controversy going on between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. My no. question to you, Jacob, is, is does Cooper Rush have enough game film that one, the, because uh, remember, this is the same guy the Cowboys cut at the, at the end of the of the uh, 53 man roster at the end of uh, preseason. And he's come in and he's been the folk hero. Do you think he has enough game tape now that the uh, Cowboys can either trade him to a quarterback, uh, you know, starving team? Or do you see Cooper Rush being able to leave via free agency potentially? and becoming a starting quarterback in 2023. I mean, I think someone's going to give him a shot just to give him a shot, just because he has shown well enough. I mean, he's the only quarterback in Dallas history for his first four starts to go, you know, 4-0. Um, right. I think he's earned his right to have a shot, like, at, for instance, like a Carolina – if he was at Carolina right now, we'd yeah. probably like him more than Baker and Sam Darnold combined. If he I, was, I, I agree with that assessment with the way Baker's been playing. I mean, I'd even float out there like in Indianapolis, he probably would be just as good, maybe better than Matt Ryan. Um, yeah. either Chicago or the Giants. Like, I would imagine Houston. that I mean, I like Davis most though, <laughs> but if, but yeah, like Davis, Houston, I mean, Davis has been playing good, but I, I think there would be a competition <laughs> in there. I mean, it's just one of those things of I think he's put enough out there to make sure that he gets his chance next season. Will it happen? I don't know. I mean, he's been a career backup, so we don't know what will happen. But, like, in Superflex and two quarterback leagues in the offseason, he's definitely worth the speculative ad. Like, if we like, we were all adding Gardner Minshew in the offseason, you should also add Cooper Rush next offseason if he leaves Dallas. Good point. Fair point. Do you feel like with some of the play of these quarterbacks from the quote-unquote last year's, you know, uh, basement dweller teams – do you think this kind of puts a damper on our early projections for rookie rankings for 2023 with starting quarterbacks such as a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud? Nah. I mean, granted, I know it's early October, but I just thought I would ask the question. No, not really. Just because, I mean, a lot will change between now and then. Are you selfishly asking? It's, it's, <laughs> it's only nine months away. No big deal. <laughs> Listen, I'm maybe, already, I mean, I'm already maybe a little there. bit. I'm I'm trying right. to look there in three leagues, but apparently my OG roster says tell is trying to tell me no. But anyways, like just a little bit. I don't think it, we can't really take into stock now, just because a lot will change. Like for instance, remember also last year we were talking about Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler probably being number one, number two overall. Spencer went to That's South Carolina, true. and Sam Howell went in the fifth round, which I will say is a steal, but still. I I mean, breaking news. Here's a hot take there's a chance he may start this year. I mean, maybe for the commanders, there's maybe. a real chance. I mean, the Steelers just pulled the trigger on Kenny Pickett. Now, granted, he's a first round draft pick versus a fifth round draft pick in Sam Howell, but I'm just saying 
because even though the commanders are kind of putting up yardage and points, they're still not turning into W's. There may be a need for a change of pace in the name of Sam Howell. And he has shown when he has talent around him, he plays pretty darn good. I mean, I don't know if, you know, Sam Howell could have done as good with that offensive line against the defensive lines of Philly and then just the Dallas Micah Parsons on defense. Like, I, for instance, I don't the, disagree. Like I'm this upcoming week, the commanders are playing the Tennessee Titans. I, and then they play the Chicago Browns. I would expect that offense to kind of get back on track. But that's that's just my my thought here, which is why he'll be in some DFS lineups. We're talking about Carson Wentz. I have no shame. What of it? All righty. Um, I just wanted to say real quick, um, I hope everyone kind of sends in a comment, whether it be on Twitter or Gmail or on the sleep wrap, talk about some of your underrated quarterbacks and some of the, you know, interactions that we've had here with the discussion today on episode 41. When we come back, we'll uh, do a quick recap on week four and get everyone ready to go for week five. Welcome back to episode 41 of the misfit fantasy football podcast. We're going to discuss week four and recap, starting with that Thursday night football game. So we had the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Miami Dolphins for an AFC matchup. We had Joe Burrow taking on Tua Tungabailoa, and unfortunately, uh, you know, Tua was playing back from injury from the week before, and unfortunately, he was playing commendably as best as possible, but he had another head injury that was very scary there. Uh, no, 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 Jacob, no. As an you, you can't say another head injury. We can't confirm the first one. That's true. <laughs> That's true. As it, so I will I will pass the floor over to you as a individual in the medical profession. Um, you know, give 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 your thoughts on this uh, as best as possible. I think it's horrific. I'm I'm hoping you know he he gets well soon. But the I think the bigger question here and a lot of the outrage that has been seen across. Uh, the internet and the nation is the fact of uh, the process that the NFL has and the scary head injuries that we've had over the past, however many years in the NFL and with the uh, formation or not formation, uh, the understanding of CTE and concussion protocols and independent neurologists being brought in. Uh, I mean, what do you make of all of this? I mean, Miami has since fired their uh, third-party neurologist, or Tua had fired his third-party neurologist. The NFL PA, the Players Association, they fired the guy who was at the game. Um, Because, so, what the way it happens is, and this happened at Miami, this also happened at Cincinnati, but that one was more obvious. So, Um, what happened in Miami was, Yes, he hit his head on the ground. He got up. He was woozy. He is wobbling. My thing is, and this, and like, you know, Ben, who he's medical, he knows stuff too. Like whenever it comes to head injuries and stuff like concussions, like I've had concussions. We've all probably had concussions we're we're not aware of. Um, It's one of those things. It's like, unless there are clear and obvious things that they can't pass, then you're not going to, not going to know. Because everyone has fallen and hitting their head on the ground, not even playing football, and got up and were right. a little wobbly. Could you say it's a concussion? Maybe. Could you say it wasn't a concussion? Maybe not. I don't know. So my right. stance, my like official stance with this, and I've said it in pretty much every like sleeper chat I've been in. It's if he went back and passed the 
independent neurologist concussion protocols, no matter what we saw on the field, if right. he passed whatever measures they have that he has to do, then why are you going to blame the player for going back out to play? Like me and my wife were talking about this the other day. It's like players want to play. They want to go out and prove themselves. And I think someone said something in one of the chats, like Tua has missed basically two years of football. Of course, he was going to want to go out there and play. But my thing is, if he passed those exams, he passed the questions, then for me, it's like, then how are we going to blame the guy or whatever? Because, yes, whatever we saw on the screen, he looked a little woozy. He ain't going front. But once yeah, again, yeah. if he passed the protocol – I don't see why there was an issue with him starting. And then whenever he hit his, you know, he got slung around and he hit the ground. It wasn't like it was a malicious hit. He wasn't trying to hurt the guy. He was like, I have him wrapped up. I'm going down. He's coming with me. So yes. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I feel like a lot of that was physics too involved, right? Is, you know, when you're moving a mass like that in that direction, it's going to find the quickest way to the ground gravity not to get into too much science but yeah <laughs> but so and like yes like that hit it was clear and obvious because like ben said he went into a decorticate um that's what happens when his hands just kind of froze up which a i wish they would have stopped showing like after they did it the first time stop right. just exposing a guy that's in that moment that's just that's rude, right rude and i hated that but anyways like right. that one was obvious but when people like that's a second one i'm like you can't confirm that that's the sad thing about it could be just a continuation yeah you can't really confirm anything unless the doctor says so like would i have held him out if i was the independent neurologist probably but once again i would also have to rely on the judgment the clinical reasoning and the judgment of the moment with what i saw in the game film and also what the guy was telling me so he made a decision that whether we like it or not he said he was fine he came back in and another thing that i would think is if he did have a concussion, he would have had concussion-like symptoms during the second half and post-game. He did not show any that we're aware of. And I know I always throw that, you know, we're aware of and stuff on there. That's kind of a CYA way of saying, we don't know. We can just judge off of what we've seen. And us as outside observers, all we can rely on is what we see with interviews, highlights, and conversations with coaches and stuff like that. So I didn't have an issue with him playing. It sucks that he got a concussion of that magnitude that he got in Cincinnati. Yes. But I mean, we just wish him the best to get healthy fast. And now we can talk about football stuff. <laughs> so, so two things I want to take a look at is um, what is the outlook moving forward for the dolphins, depending on how long Tua is out and what are the prospects fantasy wise for Teddy Bridgewater as we move into week five? I mean, I think Teddy B is a solid pickup. I mean, he plays the jets, then he plays Minnesota, then he plays Pittsburgh his next three games. And heck, even the fourth game, fourth and fifth is Detroit and Chicago. And then Cleveland, (laughs) none of those next six matchups really scare me. Um, Teddy Bridgewater has been a productive quarterback before we've seen it in when he was, a young bud with Minnesota way back when, when Adrian Peterson was his running back and he had that horrific knee injury. We've seen it whenever he was in Denver as a starting quarterback, whenever he was in Carolina as a starting quarterback. Every stop he's been, he's been okay when he's played. So will he like be a world beater? Probably not. But will he be a steady quarterback like 16 to 20? Most likely. So in a bunch of leagues, he's 100% worth the ad for the next four weeks. Yes, I'm putting a fat bid down on Empire. Um, and as far as it goes for the rest of the offense, like the running backs, I think Raheem Mostert's the guy you have to start going forward. Um, the wide receivers will be fine with 
Teddy because he's produced multiple thousand-yard receivers before. He did it in Carolina with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. So, I mean, I think he'll be okay. I'm not worried about Waddle. I'm not worried about Hill. You just – you start your studs, and those two guys are definitely studs. Especially because uh, they got speak- a soft schedule coming up. Right. Speaking of running backs, uh, pivoting over to the Bengals real quick. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon had 21 or uh, 24 carries for 61 yards and a touchdown. He also had four catches for 13 yards. Uh, should Joe Mixon owners be concerned about the amount? I mean, he's got the touches there, but the yardage just isn't paying off just yet. I, I wouldn't necessarily say concerned. I would say like, if you're going to trade him though, what are you trading him for? Like, ah, that's a good point. I don't know. He's no, I mean, it's, it's just a question that I, cause I have him in a couple leagues and I've asked myself that question. Um, I mean, he's averaging, he's getting touches per game. Like he has 27, 19, 12, 24 rushing attempts only. And so it's one of those things of, I think he's fine. He's, I think he's like running back number 16 and half PPR. I think he'll be okay. I don't think it's anything crazy, but whenever you talk about moving on from a guy, you're talking about what am I moving on to? Now, if in dynasty leagues, if you're turning Joe Mix, like you look at your roster and you say, if he doesn't do great, then I'm not a contender. Then, yeah, you trade him for whatever you can get. You trade him for like the younger player and a draft pick, or you trade him for a receiver to help your roster if your running backs are stacked. Um, but as far as redraft goes, I'm not really concerned because he's going to get the work and he's on a good offense. And I think that offensive line is finally starting to gel. So I think brighter days are ahead. Yeah, and then just real quick on the wide receivers, no one needs to panic if you're a Tyreek Hill owner or a Jalen Waddle. Same thing with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. They're just going to kind of be going back and forth, I feel like, throughout the year. And then in the rare occurrences where both of them go off, which would be magnificent on both sides. But, you know, last week was the same story on the flip side with Jalen Wall and Tyreek Hill. So everyone just needs to take a deep breath. Yeah. This is what's going to continue for the rest of the season. I mean, it's it's with both teams. Like, I feel like with the Dolphins more so than the Bengals. The Dolphins guys are just going to probably oscillate most weeks. The Bengals guys, I think you, they're never going to get – they're never going to dud you consistently. And that goes with Jamar Chase. That goes with T. Higgins. Like you're always going to start them because you could always get the T. Higgins stat line of 7 for 124 and 1. And plus, I feel like a Jamar Chase pissed off game is coming up because – he his body language was not happy in the first half. He, no, he's not. He has he is an alpha dog, and he is looking at people saying, "I need to get mine because I'm breaking Justin Jefferson's record." So I would fully anticipate an explosion coming soon for Jamar. Yeah, and it doesn't help that every other day it seems like we're talking about Justin Jefferson and how he's going off. Which uh, it's kind of funny you bring that up because I think that's a good segue for the next game that we have. Which I had no idea we had an overseas game that was at nine a.m. So when I I wake up, you know, we're getting ready to watch uh, church online. I, I look at my phone. I was like, "What is this?" And I was like, "What the what?" <laughs> <laughs> I noticed and I was like, so Dalvin Cook's already had like 10 carries and he's got seven yards. No way. Yeah, and sorry Great. about you, Alvin yeah. Kamara managers. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook, he had 20 carries for 76 yards, uh, two catches for 10 yards. And yeah, I mean, Alvin Kamara at the last minute, uh, it was unavailable to Surprise uh, play. active. Yeah, and Andy Dalton stepped in for uh, Jamison Winston. Uh, which is good, or sorry, Jameis Winston, 
uh, due to the fact of I'm pretty sure he has a broken back. Um, and as someone who's had lower back pain over the years, I, I can't even imagine with a broken back. I've had a, a pinched nerve and a couple of bulging discs. I can't even imagine uh, being a quarterback and getting, you know, just shellacked by 300 pound men uh, who run a four, seven, just tackling in the back, even with the flat jacket. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. If you get tackled, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. They're definitely coming for his lunch. Um, the quarterbacks from this game, like Kirk cousins was inches away from a three, three touchdown game. You're going to start him every week. I, I really don't care. I mean, he's just that guy in two quarterback leagues. He's always starting single quarterback leagues. Yeah. You can kind of get away from him, but he's always going to be ranked as a top 12 quarterback. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Dalvin Cook, I'm not saying this because I traded him to you in the offseason. I still think he's in line for a great year because look at him. He had 22 opportunities against a typically good front seven in New Orleans. But as a Dalvin Cook manager, real quick, do you have any measure of concern that's starting to rise up of like, oh, crap, is he actually showing signs of age? Because the work has been there, but the fantasy you know, points have not been. He's currently the running back 24 in standard and 25 in PPR. I'm I'm still optimistic because Alexander Madison took his touchdown. If he would have had that touchdown, he would have had you know close to 17 points, which would have been phenomenal um, to to get the ball get the ball rolling. So I think it's a very similar situation with Joe Mixon. You just gotta you gotta batten down the hatches and just get comfortable in, in the uncomfortability right there, and and try to figure out uh, where you're able to get other points or be able to pick up players if they're available. Uh, at, at this latent stage in the ball game, being able to get a Jared Goff, get a Teddy Bridgewater, try to figure out different ways to get other individuals involved in the ball game, uh, whether it be their wide receiver or tie it in, make a drastic trade like yourself did last week, uh, which by the way, brilliant. Um, Hope so. <laughs> so I, I think those are some of the ways that you have to figure out because as you and I continue to say, as much as we love to watch football and the individual themselves, at the end of the day, fantasy football is about the numbers. Yep. So if they're getting the touches, the probability is, is that it's going to be higher that they're going to score a touchdown and just didn't work out this way. And I think Alexander Madison is a very good candidate for uh, Randall Cobb of the week because that's just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, Minnesota won, by the way, 28-25 in this London game. Uh, <clears throat> Justin Jefferson, bonjour, he's back. He uh, yep. showed up. He had a, a rushing touchdown, but he had 10 receptions for 147 yards. That's hot. Uh, Adam Thielen, eight of eight of nine for 72 yards. He's getting enough targets consistently over the past couple of weeks. Where I think he's like, you got to play him as a flex guy and not even blink because he has had 24 targets in the past four games. And I don't think that's going to change because this offense has been functional. Um, Chris Olave, just lock him down as a wide receiver one for the New Orleans Saints. No matter who's back there, he's going to be the guy they target. They traded up in the NFL draft for a reason. Um, I like Chris Olave more than Michael Thomas the rest of the season and obviously Dynasty. Chris Olave is just a guy, if you're an absolute rebuild, yeah, you try to trade for him. But if the guy who has them is also in a rebuild, good luck. Or even if he's a competitor, good luck. <laughs> because he's showing up and showing out. Yeah, and... Um... I think, oh, uh, Chris Olave, uh, man, four catches, six, seven yards and a touchdown. I mean, it's crazy though. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's, he's moving in the right why. direction. I love it. Yeah. He, he, he looks good. 
Hey, Taylor, okay, so this, this moving on with the yeah, this is pertinence for this next game. And it's kind of a funny thing because James and I talked about it on Thursday for a second. Who has more fantasy points per game, Taysom Hill or Kyle Pitts? I just looked at both their stats, ironically, so I know it's Taysom Hill. <laughs> it's Taysom freaking Hill. Which is gross to think about. Uh, I was just about to ask you that as a frustrated Kyle Pitts owner uh, in the Empire League between him and Drake London. I mean, the fact that they had 11 targets and they only had three catches, it's unacceptable. I chalk someone up just to one of those games um, because the Falcons did run the ball for 14 consecutive plays at one point in time. Um, So for me, it's more of the Cleveland Browns just sucked this one. They should have won by like 10 points, but they didn't. Um, yeah, it was 23-20 Atlanta's favor. But, like, with Kyle Pitts in redraft, what do you do? You're not going to trade him because the you're, you're going to want more in return. Like, if someone offered you Dallas Guard for him straight up, should you take it? Yes. If someone offered you TJ Hawkinson for Kyle Pitts, should you take it? Probably. And you can just keep going down the line because right now, like, those words came out of my mouth. That Taysom Hill, the like 33-year-old hybrid quarterback, tight end, running back, wide receiver, you know, gunner on special teams. Sean Payton's pet project. He has more fantasy points per game than Kyle Pitts, who everyone, you know, he is an athletic unicorn. What if that's all he is, is just make believe and it's not real. And the, the most disappointing thing, in my opinion, is Arthur Smith came from the Tennessee Titans where he flourished with tight ends, whether it be uh, Delaney Walker or um, shoot, who was the other guy that, that just went to the Patriots? Johnny? Yeah, Janu Smith. The fact that both of these guys have been highly productive in his offenses and, and there's been somewhat to an extent a focus on the tight end they got to figure out a way to get him some easy catches. And I, with especially with Marcus Mariota, I don't know if it's a limability issue or what the concern is, but I mean, come on. It's it's just weird. I think, and like even like just going straight stat-wise, Jacoby Brissett had a decent game. Marcus Mariota did not. 7 of 19 for 139 and a pick. I would just chalk it up to a down game. I really would. I mean, up until this point, Marcus Mariota has given you – 19, 15, and 16 fantasy points. It's just, it was just a bad week. Uh, we can move on from it. Uh, Nick Chubb did Nick Chubb things. He has scored in every game this year, I believe, except the first one. Yeah. Um, 19 carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, I think he's just more of a bye week guy right now, which, by the way, bye weeks are coming up. Brace your benches. Um, and even when it goes down to the receivers, I know we talked about Amari Cooper last week, and he's just, some games he'll hit, just like in Dallas. Some games he'll miss, just like in Dallas. Uh, David Njoku, though, still good. Five receptions for 73 yards. Yes, he lost a fumble, but big whoop. <laughs> hey, who'd so, you rather have rest of season, season David Njoku or, not, or uh, Kyle Pitts? <laughs> gosh, why would you ask that? I mean... Because one's productive and no one ever thought he would be, and the I, other one's supposed to be highly productive, and I he's know, not. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in denial. I'm in my denial phase right now. No Ask shame. me at the beginning of November. Okay. Whatever. Speaking of <laughs> AFC North teams, you know, we've talked about... We talked about Lamar. Buffalo ended up winning 23 to 20. I don't really know if there's a whole lot to cover here other than J.K. Dobbins having a we, couple of TDs there. His first, you know, can breath we talk of about life. the Atlanta running backs real quick. 
Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, Cordero Patterson left the game with an injury. Now he's on injured reserve. So now oh, that's it's gross. Tyler Algier or it's Caleb Huntley. Both of them are worth a pickup and redraft. Caleb Huntley will be on dynasty waivers. You might as well pick him up just to see what happens. Now go back to Buffalo, Baltimore. All right, back to your original programming. Uh, so, yeah, like as, as I was saying, it was pretty typical uh, Buffalo Bills playing smash mouth football and Lamar, you know, through that, uh, you know, uh, now in the coffin interception there at the end, the turnover um, ended up losing 23 to 22 Buffalo. Uh, any Anything that stands out to this game, Jacob? I, I mean, like I said, I don't really feel like there's a lot that stood out um, yeah. um about the biggest thing that i think we could take is like or two things is a jk dobbins is here and he is now officially start worthy as a running back too um, i firmly believe that we've said it we needed to see it happen we saw it last week he played he looked good this week he played and he looked pretty good so i think his involvement will be fine going forward he scored two touchdowns this week <clears throat> um I would just expect as J.K. Dobbins gets the trust and the effort and like the attempts back, I would also expect Lamar's rushing attempts to kind of dwindle just a little bit to make sure they can try to keep him healthy for the long run. Um, Devin Singletary is a guy that <clears throat> I think he's a consistent flex guy slash back and running back too. He's just getting the looks, getting the work. And then um, last real thing is I think Gabe Davis is just currently he's just all hype, <clears throat> no bite. So do with that what you will. He's a boomer best flex guy, wide receiver three at best. So just take it for what it is. Mark Andrews had a down week. Whatever. He'll be fine. And then we have the commanders taking on the Cowboys. Uh, <clears throat> the Cowboys defense looked uh, terrific against the commanders. Uh, you know, definitely stifled that running game. Antonio Gibson had 13 carries for 49 yards. He had three catches for 14. Stop running him through I, the I middle. Think, Give him space. I God. Know, I know. I, I think the most telling thing from this game to take away was uh, Curtis Samuel continues to have a high number of targets. So I would continue to start him, even though he's had a couple of down weeks here, they're, they're continually trying to get him the ball. Um, and so if you have him start him, in my opinion, in your flex position or wide receiver three. Yeah. Um, this Washington backfield is just going to be gross. Um, honestly, I don't think anyone's start worthy moving forward. Just kind of depends on what happens when Brian Robinson for dynasty. I would say yeah. not just because I have Antonio Gibson, but because I genuinely believe this once his contract is up, I think some team is going to come get him and feature him and make him a usable player in like a better style offense. Like for instance, dream with me, if you will say the chargers who Austin, I was just thinking that if he's 29, if he's, if he loses a step by the end of the year, I mean, Antonio Gibson is going to be a 25 year old running back. You could probably send a fifth round draft pick for and play and start and use very similarly to Austin Eckler. Or just another team that can that puts running backs in space, like in Dynasty. I think maybe no, he's not going there. They got AJ Dillon. <laughs> but like just in so in Dynasty, so you look next year down the road, especially if you're rebuilding, Antonio Gibson could be a very sneaky buy for next year, not for this year, for next year, even you know two years down the road. You just never know. But I would, I have, and growing in hopes 
and suspicions that he will not be on the commanders next year, which makes me excited. And Tony Pollard and, also sucked this week, by the way. Yeah, he did. CD lamb. Not so much. He had six catches for 97 yards and TD. I'm curious to see what his production value will be once Dak gets back into the lineup. Cause if you remember, uh, they didn't really have the greatest rhythm yet has been able to find some traction here with Cooper rush. Uh, so continue to monitor that. And then uh, moving on to the next Question. game here, we have the Seahawks. Two seconds. Oh, Two seconds. Okay. What if Dak Prescott just doesn't like throwing the ball to see lamb? I mean, that's possible. He's been good. I mean, I'll be shocked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Update. You know, uh, Antonio Gibson could get cut for only $286,000 of dead cap next year. No, I think they're going to cut him. Please, God, oh, no. cut him. Send him somewhere <laughs> useful. Carry on. I'm sorry. I intruded. So we had uh, fantasy galore here between the Seahawks and the Lions. We already talked about Jared Goff and Geno Smith having terrific ball games. Seahawks ended up winning 48 to 45. Rashard Penny, 17 carries, 151 yards, and two touchdowns. Then on this other side with uh, DeAndre Swift out, Jamal Williams took full advantage of that with 19 carries, 108 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, And then at wide receiver, we have Reynolds catching seven passes for 81 yards and a touchdown. We had DK Metcalf going off for seven catches on 149 yards. And then it tied in TJ Hawkinson, the glory catches. 179, two touchdowns, and a conversion. TJ Hawkins. Even, even Disley had a good game. Four catches, 39 yards, and TD. I don't he's really... currently the seventh tight end in standard and ninth in PPR. And he's also available pretty much everywhere. <laughs> um, and he's he's got more points than uh, Kyle Pitts. Uh, oh, look at yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I one just fantasy... dumped on myself. Um, it's no that shame. time of night again. It's just one uh, fantasy takeaway I want to have is. Hopefully this game will show the, the Lions that TJ Hawkinson's not just a five yard and turnaround route runner. Like he's not Jason Witten. He has more athleticism to him right now because they're using him down the seam. They're using him on out routes, like, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field. Hopefully this is something that opens their eyes to where they start kind of manufacturing those looks for him a little bit more and going forward. He produces like a top five tight end, which isn't hard to do. So, I mean, it's a very real chance. Yeah, on with the chlorophyll. So the Chargers beat the Houston Texans 34 to 24. Justin Herbert, he was 27 to 39, 340 and two touchdowns. Uh, your boy Davis Mills had 26 to 35 for 246. He had two touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions. He's currently the number 22 quarterback in player ranking. Then at running back, Damian Pierce had himself quite the day, 14 carries for 131 yards and a touchdown. He also had six catches for a whopping eight yards, uh, which is. Uh, All I see is every, you know, every catch was half of a point in my in the OG league. So I was like, hey, I'll take three points, in, you know, for eight yards. Rex Burkhead had five catches for 39 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks had a pretty game too. Seven catches for 57 yards and a touchdown. And Mike Williams continues to dominate with uh, Keenan Allen still out of the ball game or out of the game. 
or out for the season so far. Seven catches for 121 yards. He had 11 targets, so please continue to start him because he's killing it. Yeah, look for Keenan Allen to come swinging back sometime soon, getting better from that hamstring injury. Unless he had, unless he, yeah, unless he re-injured it in the last uh, last week of practice. Kind of the dynasty storyline from this for me is Damian Pierce. He just looked good. I mean, I you just continue to start him every week, but I will very trepidatiously say this because I know how coveted running backs are. Um, if he does something like this again within the next couple of weeks, you should probably sell high on him to get what you can. Cause I bet someone will give you a 2023 one for Damian Pierce or Damian Pierce plus something small. And as of right now, I would rather have the 2023 one. So quick question here, pivoting back to the chargers, Gerald Everett had five catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. With Keenan Allen coming back, who who do you think takes a hit on production? He's a tight end number four right now. Do you think it's more so Everett or Williams that they're taking passes away, or even Austin Eckler? The difficult thing with this is we've seen we've seen this offense be able to work with everybody. Mike Williams is always a hit or miss. Keenan Allen's always just gonna be a high reception guy. So personally, I would honestly probably lean towards Austin Eckler just a smidge bit. So I think Gerald Everett's starting to earn some trust from Justin Herbert, which is those short to intermediate routes, which is typically Austin Eckler's forte. So just a little bit, but I'm not going to say that I'm going to be confident enough with that to like plant a flag, if you will. Okay. So some more AFC action. We have the Tennessee Titans beating the Indianapolis Colts 24 to 17. Uh, Derek Henry. He is coming back with a vengeance. 22 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown. He also had three catches for 33 yards. Killing it, the big man is. Uh, Robert Woods had four catches for 30 yards and a touchdown. And I'm pretty sure Traylon Burks, uh, he is questionable. He's diagnosed with turf toe. Okay, so that's official from Fantasy Pros. He got injured. I think he'll probably end up being out a couple weeks. So with that being said, Jacob, who do you think uh, picks up the slack in the passing offense? And is Ryan Tannehill still a subpar quarterback two to start in a two quarterback league? Uh, No, he's a quarterback with a pulse. He'll throw anyone out there these days. Um, I don't really think there's anyone, one person in particular who'll pick up the slack. I guess I would say Robert Woods. Um, That's about it. Jonathan Taylor, ankle injury. Watch him because they have the Thursday night game this week. If he plays, you play him. If he doesn't, obviously don't. But if he does not play, I don't know if I'd start anyone from this backfield. Um, Michael Pittman, don't worry, down game. Not going to front. Michael or Matt Ryan threw for 356 yards. Don't stress. Alec Pierce, four for 80. Told you guys, he's sneaky. He is. He's very sneaky. Do we have to talk about this next one? No, I mean, <sighs> Chicago 12, New York short people 20, the three and one New York short people, mind you guys. I mean, somehow Daniel Jones is the thir- 13th quarterback. Uh, he, he's playing efficiently. And then, you know, Saquon doing Saquon things. But that that's all it really deserves. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. Sorry to all Giants and Bears fans out there. If, <laughs> if we do have Giants and Bears fans out there, please just, you know, t- uh, send us in your replies, letting us know that you are. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll spend some more time on it next time. Just Probably don't have not. a snooze fest of a game. <laughs> that's not. all I'm saying. Hey, that's all I'm this, saying. This fun game where I can talk about. <laughs> <Kyle Sanders. laughs> Listen, sorry. 
I had to do it. Guess it was a good game. game. 27 carries, a buck 34, two touchdowns, two receptions for 22 yards. Just saying, call this offseason that this offense is going to be good. He's the lead running back. I think right now he has – let me see. There's a stat over here. Where to it go? Oh, it's on the app on the phone. I think he has like 70 touches to the other, other running backs, 20-something over the first four games. Keep playing yeah, that him. sounds accurate, Cotton. <laughs> Keep playing him as a borderline top 12 running back. Just saying, he's good. Um, anyone else from this game, I mean, like A.J. Brown did good. Devonta Smith, you're going to still play him as a boomer bust guy. The no. Jacksonville Jaguars, like, I just it, – it was what it was. It wasn't a good game for them, but they were going up against, like, the best defense in the league. So, spot on that. Yep, and moving on. So Plus they play Houston the, next week, so yay. <laughs> so the uh, the Jets won 24-20 to with Zach Wilson returning to the fold. And Kenny Pickett came in for Mitchell Trubisky. He uh, had three interceptions. He was 10 of 13 for 120 and three picks. He also had six carries for 15 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, so we'll continue to monitor that. Brees Hall had a pretty good game, 17 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown. He also had two catches for 12 yards. Najee Harris, 18 carries, 74 yards. Got to be better, bud. Got to be better. Uh, George Pickens continuing to show that he is a rookie you do not want to mess with. Seven, or sorry, six catches for 102 yards. And then on the other side, Corey Davis had a pretty good game, five catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. Um, from this game, pretty much, I think the, this was just confirmation that Brees Hall is the guy in the backfield. He had um, more touches. He had more targets from Zach Wilson. So it's not like it was just a Joe Flacco thing. Um, I think the big other biggest thing to monitor is just the Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, because here's their next, I think, four games. Yeah, it's Buffalo. Like I said with Najee, it's Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Miami, Philadelphia, then a bye week. I don't know if they're going to throw a rookie out there against that meat grinder because you could just absolutely crush a kid. But we'll see what happens because he didn't look terrible, ignoring the three picks. So, Yeah, and then this next game, it was pretty gross, so I'm not really wanting to talk about it. The Cardinals won 26-16 against Carolina. Yeah, I think Baker's about cooked, and it's even difficult for me to say that. Um, Christian McCaffrey looked all right. Nine catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. He also had eight carries for 27 yards. It was just a gross game, um, it to, was, to be perfectly honest it with wasn't, you. It wasn't fun. The thing about this game was, like, Carolina arguably should have won this game because Arizona looks really bad. Um, they just it, – it does not look good. They're, when DeAndre gets back, it'll probably get a little bit better. But honestly, there's just – you're going to play Marquise Brown. You're going to play Kyler Murray. The running back, James Conner, you could probably start getting away from, but he's going to get work in, in a decent offense. He should have a touchdown chance. For the Panthers, it was just good to see DJ Moore get 11 targets and for Christian McCaffrey to finally get nine targets. Hopefully this is Matt Rule saying, oh, we need to actually use our good players. But then again, Baker Mayfield's still starting, so. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. We're just going <laughs> to move on. So the Packers won in overtime and are three and one, uh, defeating the New England Patriots without Mac Jones, twenty-seven to twenty-four. Uh, Zappy Bailey Zappy from Western Kentucky uh, started. He had he was ten of fifteen for nine yards and a touchdown. Honestly, I don't know where that came from. It was great. Uh, 
there was a lot of running that went on with the uh, the Patriots and a lot of passing going on from the Packers. They 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 won. It was Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things. Um, Alan Lazard showed up, six catches for 116 yards. Romeo Dobbs had a pretty game, five catches for 47 yards and a touchdown. He did have a turnover, a uh, fumble there. So I feel like those two are starting to solidify themselves as the clear cut top two wide receivers with Christian Watson there as a distant third as he continues to get himself involved in other ways in the offense because uh you know that's what mike lefleur is doing two things from this game that i watched that kind of stuck out to me was aaron Rodgers. is i think he's showing that he's an older quarterback tbh at 21 for 251 like yeah new orleans or new orleans new england's always a little salty on the back end but like there are just some things that made me really realize how much he misses Devonte adams so I'm not oh, calling yeah. for his downfall just yet, but I think that there are signs that are there that are starting to kind of show up. Um, and the other thing was with New England running backs, with Brian Hoyer going out with the head injury and Bailey Zappi showing up, and we don't know Mac Jones' status. I think Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson are both very startable going forward until we figure it out. Don't touch the passing options, just those two guys, and then that's it. Run away. <laughs> All righty. The next game we had here, we got two games to go. We have the Raiders winning their first game of the season, 32 to 23 against the Denver Broncos. Josh Jacobs, 28 carries, 114 yards and two touchdowns, five catches for 31 yards. He finally went off. And then Devonte Adams, welcome back, Tay. Nine catches for 101 yards. Uh, this is I think the formula they really need to try to stick with, maybe get Darren Waller the ball a little bit more. Uh, but, I mean, that's what's going to happen when you have a run-dominant team. I think Derek Carr obviously benefits from the fact of having that running game, and I, I think this is a format they need to continue to be able to win ball games and close them out. So here's a fun little stat for you with Josh Jacobs. He's just a Bronco killer. Um, throughout his career, he has – 612 total yards against the Broncos, which means he's averaging 102 yards per game. He is averaging um, – sorry, I lost the stat. But anyways, whenever he plays the Broncos, you play him because apparently he's really good against them. Um, he just – he went off. Um, it was nice to see Russell Wilson coming back. And something that Jance and I will probably talk a little bit more heavily about on Thursday is the whole Javante Williams tearing his ACL thing. First off, get better. Second off, from fantasy aspect, this backfield just became real gross because Melvin looked terrible. Mike Boone had a couple of just horrible drops. So I think this might become a passing, ha- pass-happy team with Russ Wilson throwing to Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton for mainly. So just be, be tuned for that. And real quick, Tampa Bay lost to the Kansas City Chiefs 41-31. to Jacob, your quick thoughts on this game, and then we'll wrap it up. Tampa Bay did not look good from start to finish. I think this was a Super Bowl vengeance from the Chiefs. Um, I would still trade Clyde Edwards-Alaire high while you can. I know you're like, but he had 19 for 92 yards. It was all garbage time in the second half. That team was just having their way with the Buccaneers. Um, uh, the wide receivers still can't have any of them. Sky Moore did get more have more involved with this game, so he might be starting something cool. But Mike Evans had a great game. Chris Godwin had a good game. Glad he made it out healthy. You're starting him next week. All righty, we'll see everyone back here for Thursday's episode 42. See y'all later.
Find us on Twitter at Misfit underscore FF and our email at the.misfit.ffumar.com. Bye.